All right, everybody. Well, we're back here with Christian Seiler, correct? Yep, you got the pronunciation. My mom would, would kill you guys if you didn't, so we're, we're glad you got <laughs> it. looks like Sailor, right? It does, yes. Okay. The German pronunciation there, yeah. All right, so Christian Seiler, uh, multi-time national champion, many, many-time area champion, big dude. Everybody, everybody knows Christian right now <laughs> and for the last couple of years, for sure. Totally. So, uh, you know, like Jeff mentioned, I'm Christian Seiler. Um, I'm a USBSA shooter. I'm from Seattle, Washington. Uh, I'm a full-time college student. I'm a finance major at the University of Washington. Um, so Monday to Friday, I'm living um, in a fraternity house uh, on, in campus, uh, on campus in Seattle. And then on the weekends, I come home, I shoot, I compete, I can train, uh, I train. And so um, love the sport, love what I do. Um, some of the sponsors, I shoot for Infinity Firearms, uh, Sigaleft Grow Optics, Dylan Precision, um, Double Alpha, Everglades Ammunition, Starline Brass, uh, Sound Gear, and Bellevue Gun Club. So, so those are some of the companies I work with and, and represent. How long have you uh, been involved in shooting in general and also in USPSA? So I shot a little bit before I was like 13, 14, but my first couple of matches, I was like 13, 14 years old. Uh, I'm 20 now. I just turned 20 uh, in the summer. So I've been competing for uh, for a couple of years, like just pro- probably like six or seven years competing. Seriously, probably like three or four, like actually seriously like training and competing. Um, but overall, probably six or seven. When you started out, were you a pretty casual shooter the first couple of years, just like a couple of locals here and there? Or did you kind of jump in and start shooting, you know, everything you could go to, but not really training? Like, how was that? Yeah, I was pretty casual at first. Um, we got like our first nine millimeter handgun and we would just go like poke holes in paper in an indoor lane pretty much. And so we shoot 22 handguns, nine millimeter handguns, rent some guns from the case. And then kind of after my first match, it was more serious, uh, meaning like I go to a match every month, but not serious in a training sense. Like I wouldn't consistently go practice. I, I would never practice really just go to matches. It was just really fun. I mean, shooting's still fun now. Um, it's a little bit more serious with like the training and, and preparation, but no, I go to the range. I'd shoot a little bit. Um, not really like training per se, just to go shoot and then go shoot a match every month. So it's pretty casual. And then I was 15, 16, I was shooting production division pretty well, placed third at an area match. And so I started to train more and I got invited to a local group that is like IDPA and USPSA called down zero. Um, there's a couple grandmasters in the group, USPSA GMs. And so started training with them more. And that's when I started to become more serious. They saw the potential I saw the potential. I was like in love with the sport by then. And so uh, it was like less serious and more serious and kind of ramped up from there. So mm. the, the good, wholesome mm. progression. Yeah. I personally think this is pretty relevant. So uh, you played baseball growing up, right? And you were pretty serious participant in it as you went on. Yeah. I played select baseball ever since I can remember. I mean, I was playing little league at like nine, 10, I guess is when you start, but yeah, I've been playing like on select travel ball teams, like pretty serious, like competitive baseball um like you know 16 17 18 19 i played freshman year in college on the club team um so yeah baseball is always like a really big part of my life uh, primarily pitched and played outfield um and so i've like a lot of those skills like transfer over so i, was, I mean i'm i i still go throw every once in a while I'll hop on a live stream and go like toss and, and show off the cannon the arm a little bit but um yeah baseball i played a lot of baseball uh, in high school and summers and everything so what do you feel transferred over from baseball to your shooting yeah so i feel like i'm like fairly naturally athletic like if i'm you know i don't like train ping pong but if i go pick up a ping pong paddle i'm gonna go try to put in some work against some of my buddies you know like if i go you know i wouldn't say golfing because i'm terrible at golf but that's an exception but like (laughs) i'm gonna go play volleyball like it's like naturally like coordinated and athletic to a certain degree so like i'm pretty good at that type of stuff but as far as baseball goes like there's a lot of hand-eye coordination into actually like hitting a pitch i mean you have you you have Mm. uh something to respond to the the ball you need to see spin. You need to react to where it's going to go. How you're going to swing? Are you going to swing? Are you not going to swing? So I have a lot of experience in like very quick um, decision making with like hitting the pitch. I've also uh, like good hand-eye coordination to hitting the ball. I mean, the hardest thing to do in any sport is hit a round ball with a round bat with the ball going super fast with different speed and different placements. So that definitely helps with like hand-eye coordination. Um, being able to like shooting is very technical. As much as people love to say, uh, and I love to say it too, I mean, shooting simple in a way of just. You keep the shooting the gun itself. You know, you grip the gun in a way that when you pull the trigger, you don't disturb the sights and you shoot where you aim at. Like it's a pretty simple concept, but quite hard to execute. And so as far as like critiquing my swing, a swing is very, very technical. It looks like you're just swinging the bat, right? A swing in theory, just like shooting is very simple. You put the bat, you know, up on your shoulder, you hold it straight up and straight down, you hit the ball, you whack it, right? But there's so many technical aspects that go into it. 
just like shooting. So I was able to break down my swing mechanics. I was able to break down my pitching mechanics, more so my pitching mechanics later on in my baseball career. And so a lot of those like breakdown skills. So hand-eye coordination with hitting the ball, breakdown skills, my shooting, like being able to like analyze your own, your own performance is really big. And then also as far as like fielding, like I played some infield, played outfield, being able to like explode and push off and get to positions like in outfield, how a, a college baseball player is rated uh, or like, you know, assessed. One of the things is how fast do they get to full speed? Like how fast is the time from them, uh, from the ball being hit from them getting to it, depending on the distance and stuff. That's all about how you push off, how you, how you have your legs loaded and spring off. So, so a lot of that stuff itself. So this is definitely most multifaceted there. Mentalized yeah. a lot of into it. Dude, I could listen to you talk about it for more. I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear the mental side of it. So as far as the mental side goes, so, so I, uh, in high school, uh, like my last two years of high school was primarily just pitch. And so pitching is a huge mental game. I mean, hitting is too. I mean, you have to be able to deal with failure a lot with, with hitting the ball. Um, because you know, if you go up there and you hit, you get hits three times out of 10, you're a, you're a, you're an amazing player, right? So failure is built in with it. If you're going to play basketball, you know, you, you're going to have a pretty quick memory because you know, you, you, you know, cough up the ball, you can grab it and go score again. Like it's pretty simple, but with baseball, you know, you got nine, 10 guys in the, uh, in the, in the lineup there, if you strike out, you got, you know, you, it could be 15 minutes. It could be an hour until the next at bat. So you have a lot of time of beating yourself up. And so being able to bounce back from a bad strikeout, being able to pitch and let up a home run. I mean, you're going to let up home runs. I've let up home runs. I let up doubles, you know, I've lost games. I've won games. Right. So like being able to bounce back from that, like being able to let up a home run ball and have someone just like trot around the bases and just feel like terrible about yourself and your life and just like rethink all your life choices and be able to grab the next ball from the ump and hum it in there like you mean it, trying to strike out the next guy. So like it's a big thing of being able to compete and then it's being like hyper competitive, like being really competitive and stuff too. But mainly like dealing with failure, I think is the biggest thing. And also dealing with all like, like game winning decisions. Like I've had to close some really tight games before. I've also had some really clutch at bats before. So being able to clutch up you know, rely, rely on the skills and practices you've done and then execute at a high level has helped a ton. So I think a lot of people that didn't play sports and then go into a match, like they haven't had that, like that high pressure, like payoff pitch and stuff. And I've, I've had like a lot of those payoff pitch moments in baseball and then also in shooting. Like I've had a lot of times where <laughs> the first stage I've had some issue and been down 40, 50 points. I've had a lot of times where I've, you know, thrown a mic or had a malfunction or had something and I had to like bounce back. And so I feel like a lot of that success, I can look back at baseball and be like, I've done it before. You've been here before and, and kind of just make it happen. Yeah. What do you think about or focus on during like a clutch moment that makes you a good clutch player? That's actually a very interesting question. I think two two things. So I think I've had enough failures in clutch situations to realize what I need to do differently to feel confident in the clutch situations. For example, I've had you know one or two bad baseball experiences where I go up to the plate and I'm just like, wow, I could be so much more prepared for this at bat right now. I could have hit batting practice before this game. I could have you know gone got those extra batting practice last weekend. I could have you know messed with this swing thing. And so I just like, really wasn't confident in that situation in my preparation. And so having those like bad experiences or those failures have made me like want to prepare and be so much more prepared for the next at bat. Where like I'll go take those extra reps. I'll train harder. I use that as motivation. So like I let I don't let the failures like just kind of like pack, make me pack up my stuff and go. It's like all right, I'm gonna practice and prepare to get better. So as much as you know you're hosed in those situations, you know what to do differently next time. So you're not in the same situation. So like preparation there is important. And then as far as like being clutch in those situations. I think a lot of it comes in confidence and like believing in yourself. You cannot win unless you think you can win, like truly deep down think you can win. And so I've never been in a situation and been like, wow, like I'm not going to do this. Like you're soft. Like you're just not going to be able to clutch up here as much as sometimes I shouldn't have like the confidence in the match. Like sometimes I like just pull off something and I'm very confident I'm going to do it. And I look back, I'm like, wow, that was a lot of false confidence in yourself. Like looking back, <laughs> like at like at 2018 nationals, a couple times on a couple swingers, I was just like so confident, like let's do this, let's put two in one pass. And I just throw two in one pass, and I got like two alpha. And I'm like, okay, you cannot do that twice, right? And so, <laughs> believing in yourself is big. Like if you ever go up to it, like your competitor, or your rival, and you're like, wow, he's so much better than me. I'm. There's no way I'm gonna win. Like that's not the 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 mentality you want to be be at. Like when you go to the match, you want to be very confident and have that like self image of what you can do. But then the the big thing that I think a lot of people get hung up 
on is like when you have those successes, you got to put your successes in, in like big picture. Like, yes, I've won a nationals. It'd be very easy for me to be like, Oh, I've won a nationals. Like I have a lot of confidence in that, but the confidence doesn't come from that. The confidence comes from humbling myself in practice and understanding that I have so much stuff I want to work on in my practice session. I think of myself as like one of the worst shooters in the world. But when you go into the match and you're in that clutch situation, you have to be very confident in your ability to be able to st- get up to the line, stay calm, believe in yourself, like trust in the process. Like the process is you practice, you train, you, you really hammer your inefficiencies, and then you go and, and win, basically. It's good stuff there. Um, so kind of continuing on here, I know you mentioned that you started out shooting production, uh, but outside of production and open, are there any other divisions that you've seriously competed in? Nope, just, uh, I mean, I shot some like rimfire stuff at Steel Challenge. I still think Steel Challenge should be a center fire match. I think rimfire should be a side match at that. But that aside, I've only really seriously shot production when I was like 15, 16. And then I got my first open gun, like 16, 17 age. So I really only seriously shot open. Um, I want to win the world shoot in open. And then I think I'll, I'll dabble in like some limited division or uh, something like that. But I think I, I think the skills in, the skills in open apply better to all other divisions than all other divisions applying to open. So I think this, the things that I've learned in open could, could apply very well to different divisions in the future. Why did you choose open then? I, I, so the reason why is one of my like long-term long-time shooting coaches, um, I was very involved with like probably three or four years, years ago. Um, we trained together, we practice. Um, and so he was like, you know, you're shooting really well in production. Uh, you can shoot, shoot gun pretty, pretty well. You know, your movement's pretty good. You're fast guy, but, what's going to take you to the next level and unlock that next level of speed and movement and all those different techniques is going to be open. Open allows you to shoot as fast, like, you know, explore in different areas of speed and visualization. So as far as like shooting, it unlocks a new level and then also, or allows you to unlock a new level. And then as far as like movement stuff, like there is so much stuff I would do with an open gun that I would never want to do movement wise with a limited production gun. Like, shooting like 50 yard partials on the move yeah no way with anything else but maybe with open probably not but still there's like movement techniques and then also like visualized stuff so that was like the next progression for me i think you've mentioned it before that uh 2018 was the first year you'd won an area match what was it like winning your first area match kind of tell us a little bit about the match the first one yeah totally so it was area three so in 2017 i was like now seventh place at area three and so I was coming back the next year thinking that I, you know, I could, I could win that match. But before area three was area one, I was like, I think in 2018, I was like, I, I think I can win this area match, you know, you know, Max and JJ aren't coming, you know, there's a lot of other good competitors, but I think I can win this thing. And so uh, that I definitely thought more highly of my abilities back then uh, than I do now looking back at how terrible I actually was. And so I wasn't able to do well at area one, but that gave me the the momentum and the kind of the, the spirit and the fight to kind of like go practice harder and like figure out what I need to do. And so leading up to area three is like pretty cool. Like I actually take, start taking my training more seriously and really like practice and, and like analyzing the match and everything. And so it was pretty cool. I shot uh, fairly well looking back. I shot terribly, but um, it was pretty cool. I mean, that was like, that was a huge like motivator. I was like, this is, this is so cool. Like nothing changed my life. I went back to class the direct, you know, next Monday, but it's pretty cool. Like it, it definitely like opened my eyes to like what I could do and, and what, if I like really apply myself, what I could do long-term. So that kind of like sparked a lot. Um, so it was pretty cool. Continuing on from there. Uh, what was it like winning your first nationals three day match out in Utah? <laughs> uh, I think you were there on one of the last days. I think you were in the car. I was like, I think I like walked by. And I was like, I got this. And like, oh, congrats, whatever. But I, was, I think you were, you were there, the whole squad, the whole CZ squad there. But I mean, it was pretty cool. There was no fireworks or anything like special. I mean, putting it in perspective, it's just like another stepping stone for me. But um, it was pretty cool. I mean, I was pretty dang excited to win that match. I worked my butt off for that. I mean, out of any nationals or any match ever that I've ever prepared for, I was the most prepared for that match ever. I have never sacrificed so much for any match ever. And it was just like the payoff feeling of that, like no amount of money or anything would have been as satisfying as just winning the match. So that's, that's why I think that like, it, like whenever I don't perform well, it, it like, it, it really like drain, like drains me. And I'm like, I feel like I sacrificed so much. I work so hard when I, when it doesn't go well, it, it hurts. But uh, I mean, that that was like ripping off a Band-Aid that had been there for three or four years and just ripping it off with one 
one pull. So it was pretty cool. I mean, I just, I just felt really accomplished and like, re- it's like the payoff. It's like the payoff that you finally see after, uh, it's like, a, like a farmer was, you know, planting seeds all year. And then finally he gets to see and reap, like reap what he sows basically and see it pay off at the end. So it's like, it, it was pretty incredible. Like to finally see, like, I did this, like we did this. Uh, it's pretty cool. So what is more satisfying for you to go to a big match like that? Is it to show up and win regardless of how you shot or to show mm-hmm. up and shoot the match that you know you can shoot? That is definitely go both ways. Going there and shooting the match that you think you can put together, I think I could be pretty happy going to that match and be like, wow, I shot my best and I came up short, but I shot my best. Like that's obviously really rewarding. But I truly believe that if I shoot my best, better result. Like I, I think I can win the match. If I, I know and have the confidence that I go into one of these matches, if I, if I shoot and have Max used to call, if I, used to, if I had a, if I have a Max day, I'll win. I think if I have a Christian day, I can win. And so I don't think, I don't think I'd ever have a day where I was like happy with how I shot and didn't, didn't win or do as well as I would have hoped to. Like, like. There could be a match where I, you know, I could do as well as I thought it was going to be and be second or third. That that could happen. Um, right. Like I don't necessarily think I'm going to win everything, but uh, I'd like to hope I could. Right? Yeah. The, you know, there's a possibility in every match. A match is it, it, it can be won and lost clearly. And so, um, yeah, I think I, I think though for most people, shooting a match as best as you possibly could is way more important than winning. But I think I think where a lot of the top competitors are at, I think twenty or thirty people you know, that, that have a chance at winning a match would be very disappointed if they shot the way they wanted to and didn't win. So it just depends right. on kind of where you're at. Do you think it was harder to win your first or your second nationals? I think my first, I read, I think in, it's like Ben Steger's book, the match management book. Someone sent me a picture of how like the second one's going to be harder to win than the first one. I think both are like pretty darn hard to win. Like definitely <laughs> right. overcame a lot of obstacles and trained hard and had to shoot pretty well. Um, but I think the first one was pretty hard. I mean, uh, the thing is why I don't think the second one was hard is I kept the same underdog mentality when I was shooting a match and when I was training for the match. Like, I like I in my preparation, I felt like I was the underdog. Like, you know, I'm school, I'm in school Monday to Friday. I come and shoot on the weekend once and I go back. So I had the underdog mentality of like really fighting to work and focus in my training sessions. So I had I have the underdog mentality there, and also the underdog underdog mentality in the match. And so I think where a lot of people trying to win their second nationals run into problems if they go to the match and just kind of expect to win, like that'll never happen. It's going to be a fight. I mean, it's always going to be a fight. It's, you always have 32 stages or 26 stages, how many stages to shoot. So I think that's, that's, that's why a second one wasn't as challenging. I think the first one was pretty dang hard. I mean, I hadn't really touched the gun um, much in the year two this year because I've been in a lot, a lot of school, but the first one was hard. I mean, I was shooting for the first time in the super squad, lots of pressure, lots of expectation. I won seven area matches up to then. So I don't want one area matches have that pressure of like, I, mean, I, I was literally in the practice bay, uh, dur- like warming up for the match. And someone's like, Oh, it's Christian style. He's won all seven area matches. And I literally heard with my electronic ear pro. Oh yeah. But the only thing that matters is nationals. So like I was constantly reminded <laughs> of that up until when I was shooting that nothing mattered except for this match. So there's a lot of pressure on there. So I think that's why 2019 was harder. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think has allowed you to compete with and beat the guys that have been winning and open for such a long time after you've had a relatively short amount of time in the game? I, th- I think just the way that I've like practice and train and like overall execution is, is big. I mean, I think I've developed a style that I think will be really successful. Two things I need to do to win a match. I need to stay focused and stay in control. And so I'm focused on my practice and I focus and train and, and I'm really good at picking my inefficiencies and hammering them. You know, it's pretty easy to shy away from your weaknesses and also hammer them. Like I used to be terrible at strong hand weekend shooting. And I hammered it in my practice. So I understood that weakness. I didn't shy away from it and practiced it. So I think really good with like the training and preparation aspect. I think my style is, is fairly good for consistency, meaning style of my shooting and then style of how I match manage. As far as style goes, um, I think my movement is very technical, very choreographed. I think that's really good. I think as far as the shooting goes, I spent a lot of time trying to master the fundamentals, be able just to shoot the gun at a high rate of speed. Don't overshoot the gun. Um, don't undershoot the gun. I mean, I'm shooting as fast as my sights allow me to. No faster, no slower. I'm usually slower if I'm going to pick either one of them. Um, and then as far as like how I handle a match, like I handle a match, um, you know, fairly carefully, fairly conservatively, you know, maximizing consistency. But so it's, it, there's so many different factors. Um, 
I mean, I, I think it's easier to pick out factors. Like if I didn't win nationals this year, it'd be way easier to pick out, all right, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Um, but I'm kind of trying to go underneath that veil this year and last year and pick out, right. What do I need to do better? And so that's kind of what I've been doing. So there's a lot of different factors, but, uh, each one of them has their own little part in building that. Kind of back on the uh, mental side of stuff a little bit. Obviously, nationals being a three-day match where we generally shoot one or two-day matches. Yeah. Do you feel like there's more pressure each day of nationals, like more than the previous day, or is it the same throughout for you? Okay, I think this is this is the best question here. This is the best question by far. Here, here's the reason why. Okay, I shoot way better with more pressure. Okay, if if there is no pressure, I feel like it's a club match. People that say like, oh, I shoot a club match the exact same way I can shoot a nationals. Like people at my club match are like, I'm taking this super seriously. I'm shooting this exactly how I'm shooting nationals. Like there's no way. There's there's no way. There is absolutely no way. And I couldn't feel pressure at local matches when I was 15, 16. And that was like one of the biggest matches ever shot. So I almost had a wager with my like shooting coach, Zach. He's like, I'm a wager a hundred bucks. I didn't even have a hundred dollars in my pocket, right? Like I had no money. So he like, you know, you got to put pressure on yourself. And so day one is the epitome of pressure i mean you guys have been working all year long to go shoot that like that first stage that first shot is the most tense shot of the match by far i even think it's more pressured than the last shot of the match because there's so much pressure for you to come out of the gates and just shoot well and it's it's the, it's the national it's the first day it's the first stage like there's so much pressure there and so i i did really well the first day i was focused i was controlled i was seeing my sights well i i that pressure just funneled me to be so focused and so controlled. I mean, I hammered day one. If there was more points available, I could have been up 40 or 50 points. I was only up like I think 20 points, something like that. But as the match went on, I was up more. I felt the pressure like relieve. And I was like, I, I, you know, I kind of got this. I didn't feel as pressured. And so that's when I started to make mistakes, when I didn't feel pressure. I, I, I almost didn't even feel like it was competition like at the middle of day three. And that's when I started running, running into mistakes. So how am I going to change that? I'm going to constantly remind myself. I knew that the match wasn't won when I had a 60-point lead. Like, I knew it wasn't won, but there's so much pressure off when you could you know, throw three mics on a stage and go to net zero. Like, there's so much cushion there. So I, I do better when there's less cushion. I do better when there's more pressure. And so I think the pressure will build the, the further I go into my career. But I mentally am going to uh, keep that pressure on throughout the entire match. So that's how I'm going to move going forward. I like that. What about when we're talking uh... – 2019 where you won eight area matches did you see more pressure with each area match as you got closer to eight was there more pressure or the last one the last one the last one the oh yeah. i mean area two i didn't feel that much pressure i mean uh it just depends it depends who shows up i guess i mean there is a certain level of pressure at matches where there's not like a bunch of big name shooters because it's like oh no what if i have a, a you know a bad miss or jam or something and i get beaten by someone like they're going to think this guy is like destroyed me at this match. And then, but as I got further along, like area five time, it was like, oh my gosh, like I just do not want to lose this match because I wanted to shoot the streak. Like it's like, you've already like paid for and been to like six area matches. Like don't screw this up. You can do this. Right. <laughs> I feel like area two wasn't that much pressure. Um, there was some, like, there's a lot of like hype around it. Like no one would tell me, but like people were like watching practice score and like people were like commenting about it on like forums and stuff. And so like, I knew that like that pressure and hype was there, but I like just like, I didn't ignore it. I kind of embraced it for what it was, but the most pressure was area eight with JJ because that was my first sparring with JJ in a match since 2018 nationals, where I consider myself very much still a kid and very naive to how shooting works and how, you know, like learning and progressing. And so that was the most pressure because that's when I really felt like threatened of someone could possibly win. Um, and so we had a, we had a good, good battle there and I was able to win, but that's when I felt the most pressure there. I got a question. So it's not like baseball. Um, well, let me ask you, did you ever see this in baseball where a guy was pitching, um, a no hitter or, um, a one hitter or, you know, whatever. And you didn't, you know, you don't talk about it. The perfect game thing. Um, was there anything like that where you were like, don't talk about it guys. Or did you did you and your friends and family and shooting buddies talk about it? I think not talking about it may give more pressure. Man, I, if I was I threw a no hitter uh, my sophomore year. Keep in mind it was a JV game and this team just was was not awesome. But I mean I didn't care if people said oh you're throwing no hitter. I don't really care. I mean what's it going to change? You telling me is not going to change how I'm going to pitch. Like 
I'm still going to go out there and try to throw as fast as I can with pinpoint accuracy, put some spin on it to see these guys. Like, it's the same thing. I, I don't really buy into the whole, like, I don't know, pressure is what you make of it. You're either going to take that pressure and, and make diamonds, or you're going to take that pressure and you're going to crumble. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how that expression totally goes, but, I mean, <laughs> you, you make what you make of it, right? Yeah. I mean, so – I don't know. My my parents and everyone knew. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a secret really. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, since we're on the pressure, I'm gonna jump ahead of my list of questions here a little bit. Mm-hmm. What is your process for dealing with pressure? Yeah. So I get like super hyper focused, and I get like super super calm. So whenever I go up to a stage, and I, I just almost overanalyze it. I look at every single detail of the stage, and I get calmed by getting more information. Like, like if, uh, if I needed some, like some surgery or something, I wouldn't be calmed by the doctors being like, Oh, you're going to be fine. I'm way more calmed by the doctor being like, all right, we're gonna do X, Y, and Z. And this is how it's going to work. So I, I will, I want to know more information than less. I want to know exactly what's happening. I want to know where I'm at in the match. And so as far as like how I deal with the pressure, like in a stage example, I'll go up to the stage, know every single detail of it. And I deal with the match pressure by like preparation. So like, if I feel pressure going into a match, what do I do? Go hit the range, go practice. What do I do when I'm in the match? Start gathering more information, get more data, watch videos. Um, so that's how I kind of deal with that. Um, and I think like self-image and confidence is like pretty big in a match and like how you carry yourself. Um, so match pressure, just put everything into perspective for a second. Like sometimes taking a step back is good. Um, like walking away from the stage, taking a walk down the universal lane. I did that one time at nationals. Just like take a deep breath, move yourself and just, focus up and, and get it done. So there's no, there's no like secret. I mean, you can probably read hundreds of books on how to deal with pressure, but how you, there's no, there's no formula really. I mean, it's a lot of different things. It, it's a lot of different things. It's your preparation. I deal with pressure by preparing and gathering information. It's, it's mainly preparation basically. I like it. Now th- this question is going to kind of lead into our uh, discussion training a little bit. Uh, so how how do you balance being in school and being not just a shooter, but a nationally competitive shooter? Yeah, I think this is good to talk about because I don't think a lot of people like understand like what I do during, like during the day. Like, I think it'd be pretty easy to to look at me and be like, Oh, he just goes to school and he shoots. That's very not <laughs> what I very much not what I do. Um, as far as Monday to Friday goes, um, like in preparation for the world shoot for the past three quarters, I've been taking four classes. Every quarter should be three classes per quarter. So I'm taking four or five more credits every quarter. But as far as how that works, is I wake up early. I wake up early in the morning. I get my plan for what I'm going to do in the day. And I start tackling stuff. Like in the morning, like 6, 7 a.m., that's the time when no one can bug me. That's the time no one can take from me. That's the time I start just doing things, start banging things out. And so I got to be really efficient, really organized. But as far as how I get practically works, I stay super organized. I do my do my schoolwork during the week, Monday to Friday. I'm attending lectures. Right now it's online, but usually I'm, I'm going to class probably, I don't know, four or five hours of class a day and then, uh, you know, two, three hours of homework um, mixed in with just being a normal human being and socializing and having friends and having a real life outside of just school and shooting. But uh, I just come home on the weekends and practice, which kind of sucks that I kind of gun out there. So I have to drive back and forth. But my my success in like staying like sane and not exploding with the amount of things I have to do and handle in a given week comes from organization. I think it's often overlooked. Mm. With that, obviously not again. What is, what does your dry fire training look like as far as you know duration, time, and how you choose and what you're working on? Yeah, I think consistency is really big here. Like I can't touch the gun during a school week, so when I come home on the weekends, I'll dry fire probably 30 minutes before I go shoot, so I get, get used to you know, my draws and my reloads. You know, what does a dot look like again? Right? What does this feel like? But in an ideal world, I'd like to be very connected with how my gun feels and everything about it. It should be an extension in your hands. So like in 2019, I felt like the gun was just an extension in my hands in practical, realistic sense, doing 15 minutes of just draws, reloads, picking up your dot, things like that is super, super helpful as a gun just really becomes one. Like you're not looking through the scope, you're not trying to find the dot, just picks up there. So um, just, just getting more in tune with your gun and manipulations and picking up your sights and trigger pull. You can fix a lot of problems in dry fire too, but just for a recipe, 15 minutes, work on a lot of things. There's a lot of dry fire books on how to do it. I think my dry fire is more free form now. There is some structure to it, but it's more free form of kind of how I feel, not like motivation wise, but kind of like what's going wrong, what I need to fix. Like it's definitely like more scientific, but a lot by feel too. Um, so I don't get to do that. But, so I mean, I showed up to 2020 nationals. 
honestly not in the, the same preparation I had for 2019 because I didn't get a dry fire. I was dry firing the hotel. My hands were like red taped up because I was dry firing so much, but I had the time because I wasn't doing school. Um, so, and, and I guess to throw into that last point about how I managed school and shooting during 2020 nationals, I was dry firing and writing papers in between each day of shooting. So it gets hectic sometimes. I've got a kind of another question. So a normal year uh, where we don't have this, all this crap going on and you're, you're in the dorm during the week and you can't take your gun on campus. Do you, um, uh, do you do something that's going to be beneficial to your shooting? Uh, I mean, Hey, do you have a mock? Do you cut out a, a cardboard cutout of your gun and run around with that? Uh, you know, that's a joke, but do you, or do you just go, I'm going to work on footwork today. I'm going to work on getting out of position as efficiently as possible. Or I mean, what do you do? If anything, I don't do that. The one thing I do do is a lot of visualization. Like I watch a lot of my videos and so watching videos during the week, has been pretty cool. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I was going to try to get like an airsoft gun, but I felt one is just like not the same yeah. at all. I didn't think it'd be a huge help. I mean, I think it could be a, a help, but it's like a big pain and, and yeah. I don't think I'm even allowed to have that. So I'm not really not going to push that. I tried pushing for to get in, infinity was going to make me one, but turns out I still have to be serialized. And so I'd still be a felon for doing that. So I didn't want to do that. But I mean, in theory, yeah, you could work into workouts and stuff. I, I've been trying to work out a lot more in the past, like six months to a year, like physical fitness wise, but no, I, I mean, I wish I had a gun. I could practice like pushing out of positions and stuff, but I guess I'll work that more into my actual like shooting training. But I mean, definitely could be beneficial if I looked into that a little bit more. So you really just do nothing while you're at school, but watch videos and, and, and visualize. And visualize, do some workouts, stuff like that. And then when it's weekend time, like on my Fridays, I try to get like a lot of my homework done during the day. I wake up early, get it done. Because then I can shoot on the weekends. But it ends up being like Saturday's my, my, my big day to go shoot. And then uh, Sunday reality hits me and I have a truckload of homework to hit. And then it's the whole cycle again and again and again. So it's cool when I have days off and stuff like Memorial Day or something like that. I'll get to go shoot or um, any like Labor Day or something like that. But yeah, it's usually just that recipe every single week. Wow. That's impressive. So basically everybody that says they don't have enough time is uh, full of crap. <laughs> you, you have time for the things yeah. that you care about. If you care yeah. about something, you make time for it. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so continuing on training a little bit then, um, what did your live fire look like as far as, you know, how often, how long are you at the range, how many rounds you shoot, and then, you know, how are you choosing what you are working on? Yeah. So as far as like practice sessions go, um, I guess this goes against some of the things I, I've been saying this, this, uh, this time. But so I'll either go shoot on a Saturday or I'll go shoot like during the week. Uh, most two times a week during the year. Um, so it doesn't always have to be Saturday, but during the week, if I go during the week, I'll go in the morning, uh, like six or 7am before the like, customers get there. And so I have the beta myself and at those indoor sessions. I'm really practicing on like the shooting portion of it. And so every practice session, uh, indoors is going to be more shooting ability, shooting stuff. So I'm not like sliding around on the surfaces when I go outside, I'll work like wider transitions and movement stuff. But as far as like how a normal session will go. So I show up to the range. Uh, I'm, I'm always going to either dry fire at the range. Um, if I'm just like trying to get out of the house and get there or I dry fire before I go. So I dry fire before. So I'm, I'm not like, Oh, first draw. Here's what the, the gun feels like. Here's what the, you know, here's what the sight picture looks like. So I'll do that. And then you only get one time to crack off your first shot. So what I love to do is I love to put out like a little, like mini stage, like even like two targets or one target. So just be like, all right, this stage is going to be, the last stage of nationals, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to be six here, reload six here. So you get that like cold start. You get that pressure, kind of build it up. Like, like this is like worst, worst case scenario here. Like this is going to be your first shot of the day. It's like the winning stage here. And so you, you, you get that cold start. So I, I'll do the dry fire. I'll do the cold start. See how I performed on it. Uh, usually I, I do pretty good in the cold starts, which is cool to see like how you're progressing and stuff. Because the cold starts like a pretty good uh, like analysis of where you're going to be at because that's what the match is going to be like first stage. It's going to be a cold start. So I hit the cold start. Then I hit a fundamentals check. So I'll hit, um, I'll hit a fundamentals check from, from high ready. So I'll get my perfect grip, go out and draw and shoot. And I make sure that I'm just nailing right through the same hole, not, not shooting fast, just making sure I'm shooting at a very controlled, you know, I can shoot, shoot well. All right. I'm shooting good groups. Um, the sites are doing what I want them to do going straight up and straight down. My grip feels good. I'm good. So that's a fundamental shooting check. Then I'll put the gun on my holster and draw and make sure that I can get the same grip 
um, from the holster. And the same thing's happening. I can drill straight through the same hole, no problem, about 10, 15 yards. Then I'll do, all right, so I'm, I'm shooting the gun well. Now let me make sure I'm shooting as fast as my sights allow me to. So I'll do 5, 10, 15, 20 yards, work back, and then work forward, and just make sure that I'm shooting 6 alpha. Or You can do less, obviously, but I, I do 6 sometimes. Um, I'm just shooting as fast as my sights allow me to, put 6 in the alpha zone. I'm making sure I know kind of the similar split times. I have a little notebook. I write them all down in. And if I'm shooting 15 splits at X distance and 20 at this distance, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I'm feeling good. So I'll hit that. And then, then I'm pretty good to go launch into whatever I'm doing. I'm feeling good. I can shoot the gun well. My visualized stuff is going well. Now I'm ready to hop into something. It could be transition work, which would be arrays, basically. It could be arrays, arrays modified. It could be wide transitions. It could be scaling. There's like multiple aspects of that. So either I'm shooting arrays. Or I'm shooting, or I'm moving and shooting, or doing movement. So it's either a raise or movement. Or it's like the meat of the session. And movement, there's obviously like hundreds of little tiny small sub things in there. But I'm usually working some shooting on the move, shooting in and out of positions, different like moves that I apply on different stages and chore- chore- uh, choreographing that stuff. So I get my warm up. I get plenty of warm up in there, but I also take advantage of the cold start and then I hop into like my big practice training stuff. But as far as uh, tip on this, keep a log every time you go to the range on what you're doing, what felt well, what did you do wrong? And also plan your range session because I think a lot of people show up and they're like, all right, well, I got some go shoot the gun, you know, put a target out there. But as soon as you start being like, all right, I suck at this. Let's go practice this next session. That's when you start getting better. I like that. Obviously, now that we are into the winter months here, you know, the question is, do you take an off season? And what, what do you do? during the off season, not just shooting related, but non-shooting related, like to fill your time. Yeah, totally. So like if, if the world shoot was tomorrow, I'd be super motivated and super down to go. But, uh, in the off season, uh, you gotta understand, like you, you gotta allow yourself to want it even more and more. And so, you know, if you, if I don't shoot for a week, I am dying to get back on the range. Right. And so I think probably about a month or two of just, you know, if I, if I'm really dying to shoot, I'll go shoot. But, you know, there, there's no matches or anything. But after two months, I'm going to start hitting it again. So I start preparing for my matches. So some time away is super good. I mean, I, I, I've never really felt burnt out or anything like that. I mean, I love shooting, but it definitely can happen. And can, I mean, as much as I love shooting, sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's like, wow, I've been spending hours and hours and hours on the range. Like, I have other things I need to focus on and get back and get back together. And so having, you know, some time away definitely, definitely uh uh, get you back there. I mean, there's an expression like, uh, something about the heart grows fonder with distance or something like that. It's the same thing with shooting. So, I mean, some time off is good. I don't really feel it with anything besides just like, I mean, nationals have sacrificed so much relationships with friends and family. And so getting some time to like, you know, talk to my, my family and go out to dinners with them or, um, see some of my friends I haven't been able to hang out with because I've been training and stuff. So kind of like recovering from a, like a tough year or a, a long year of practicing and stuff is good. But you know, I, don't, I don't go hunting or go dirt biking or um, swimming or anything like different. It's pretty much the same stuff. What is your favorite thing about USPSA? I think it's just I, I think it's uh, I think it's the, the the actual shooting itself. I mean, shooting a gun at a high rate of speed is pretty sick. I think, but I think also the competition is super fun. Like I love to compete, and I also love shooting guns. So it's a it's a good combo. If you could change one thing about USPSA, what would it be? Okay, I definitely meant to to think about this one. I think popper calibration, if you hit a steel and get <laughs> popper, insert word, you should be able to either get a reshoot or call it down or something. I think that would be big. And then I think the big thing that I want, I would like USPSA to move towards is making it uh, more accessible to the general shooting community. Like, I, I think if I went to a local range and people understood what USPSA was and how to do it and and how everything works. I think you see a lot more USPSA competitors. I think you'd see USPSA being like more, more popular and stuff. So I think, I think getting more people involved is big. It's not necessarily think it's something I'd change, but I think also getting like USPSA on TV and, and getting like a, a good showing of that would be pretty cool. Um, just to like grow the shooting sports and make it bigger. I think I, I've talked to people like Todd Jerry about what USPSA, like how it used to be, like how it used to be on ESPN and stuff. I think that'd be pretty cool. So there's there's obviously good elements of old USPSA, new USPSA. I think there's a lot of cool people and and very smart people uh, running running the sport. I think that, uh, but th- there could be some some changes. I don't know exactly what it would be. I, I haven't thought incredibly amount uh, about it, but I think getting USPSA bigger and more eyes and a larger scale would be pretty cool, like other sports are. Yeah, interesting answer. All right, so next question: Do you think CO or carry optics 
is for the poors or the boomers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who, who, who would I want to make mad tonight? That's the real question. Everybody. No. Just go. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. I think Carry Optics is cool. I think it could definitely be a cool gateway to open with the Ferraris. You know, maybe it's yeah. a... I've tried to do like a bunch of like car comparisons to the divisions when I explain it to my friends like F1 racing, Ferrari, whatever it is, that's open. Yeah. I haven't picked a car yet for it. A Corvette. Oh, a Corvette. <laughs> Boomer. Whoever you want to make mad, you can say Corvette, you can say Prius, you can say whatever. But uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> single stack is the Model T. A single stack could be could be <laughs> the Model single stack's T. a bicycle. <laughs> Revolvers uh, walk. What are, two world wars, right? What, what do they say? I don't know. <laughs> 911s are cool too, but I, I like wide body 911s. The more bullets, the better, right? Should low participation divisions be killed off? Uh, I decline to answer this one. No, I don't know. I, I don't really know. I'm I'm not in charge, but if I ever was, I'd, I'd take a take a look at some of that stuff and how we wanted to how we wanted to make things happen. So I don't know. Well, that's just there because Jeff used to shoot single stack and Jeremy shoots single stack. Dude, I don't care about any divisions. I don't care which ones get axed. I'll just shoot a different one. <laughs> do you do you think physical fitness is important in shooting? And, and with that, mm-hmm. do you think you'd be at the same level if you say weighed fifty pounds more or fifty pounds less? That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I think for long field courses, it's probably better to be in like good cardiovascular health. I mean, I used to run cross country. I, I, I run pr- pretty darn fast and I'm like pretty in shape. I'm not as good in shape as I used to be just because of some like injuries and stuff, but I'm working more towards that because I think being more fit, ha- you know, having more fast switch muscle fibers and working that you can explode out of positions faster, you're more athletic. I think one of the big like eye openers at this nationals has made me like train a lot of like fast switch movement with my legs and also making my legs a lot stronger i doing a lot of box jumps, ladder work, like squatting and stuff. Uh, I really try to make my legs stronger because it was the first stage at nationals. I was just like loading in every position and pushing off. And I was like, wow, my legs are tired from the walkthrough. I mean, I need yeah. to make these a lot. So I think physical fitness is big. I mean, could I do well if I was nice and big and, and well fed? I'm pretty well fed, but you know, what I'm getting at, <laughs> but if I, you know, you know, I have 15 pounds lighter, I think it would help me help me too. So um, I don't know if it can be exponentially better, but it can, it can be better. Okay. Uh, who is the worst shooter you have met? And why is it Jeff Cotton? <laughs> <laughs> He's on podcast right now. So we, we got to talk about that offline. We got to talk about that offline. <laughs> All right. So now we'll, uh, we'll continue into some listener questions and I'll, I'll skip over a couple of these because that you've kind of already answered them. What changes in your technique have you made since last year? 2018 nationals. I showed up. I had a lot of like natural ability, a lot of talent. Like I've been training, I've been getting a lot of stuff, but I never really nailed down exactly what I needed to do shooting wise. I literally handed my gun to someone to sight in for me. So if you ask me to shoot a group, a softball size group at 15, I would have said, good luck. Like I really took to shoot the gun at a high rate of speed consistently um, and more so just like shooting a group accurately. I could not shoot the gun very well, but I could, I was fast. I could move and stuff like that. So I thought because I was fast and sporty, I could, I could do well. I, I placed third, not, not, not too shabby by any means, but when 2019 rolled around, it's like, all right, I need to actually shoot this gun. Well, so I, you know, hit the drawing board and figure out exactly what I need to do. And then I was just, you know, tack driving with the gun. I mean, I can pull up right now, at like 15, 20 yards and get them within like an inch or two. And that's what you need to be able to do. Like shoot the gun with extreme accuracy and also be able to shoot the gun as fast. Like I've never had an issue with over shooting my sights, meaning like uh, not seeing what I need to see. I've always been right in the middle of, and not too fast, not too slow of like seeing what you need to see as far as shooting the gun goes. Um, but 2019, I believe that I shot the gun really, really well. And that's what I, that's how I won the match, but I could have lost a match with all the movement inefficiencies. And so what I did is I made my own like, my own kind of system of the most popular USPSA moves that you can do different distances, different angles and stuff. And I, I, I basically was able to practice those in a few really simple drills. And I've been mastering those moves and those, uh, those techniques in a very small environment on very small drills. And then I just go to a match. I'm like, all right, this is this move. This is this move. I'm gonna do this here. And then it's just plug and play, basically copy and paste. Uh, write the code, press execute, whatever you want to say. And that, that was the movement stuff. So in 2020, the movement is better. Uh, the movement is better 
Um, and the shooting is like 2019. I don't think I shot the gun as well as I did in 2019. I think I was just way more efficient and there was no, no lollygagging at all in the movement. It was very technical and tight. You, you semi answered the next one here. It was, how did you develop your footwork for changing positions, shooting on the move? Could you expand a little bit on, you know, when you're talking about mini drills, maybe give an example of a type of movement and what you're doing to work on it. Yeah. So I think my technique, I mean, if you, if you, if anyone takes a class with me, you'll get a, a way longer explanation of this and a lot more like individualized drills and stuff. But um, just like one of the, the small examples would be um, like a, a step slide in a position. So if you have, um, if you have a, a position that is, I don't know, five, six, five, six feet away, you're not going to want to shuffle. You're not going to want to open your hips and run. It's just a little short, short slide. You take your right foot. You, you go as far as you possibly can. If you look at stage four, I believe, or five of nationals, I use two huge step slides to my advantage and just like hammer those. And the step slide, take your right foot, you, you go as far as you possibly can to slide your left foot gently. And so I have these little tiny moves that I use on these stages. I master them with a little drill. You know, it takes two barrels and I shoot, shoot the step slide, practice a step slide. And I go into match and I'm like, oh, I'm using a step slide there. I'm going to use a short shuffle here. I'm going to use this technique here, this technique here, this move here. And I've mastered it like a short, uh, short slide, like I explained uh, you know, a little bit and I just plug it in basically. So you master these like moves and then you just plug them into the match. Um, so there's no, no real element of freestyling there. Um, so it's, you use pro- different techniques for different distances, different angles, stuff like that. There's a lot, a lot of different moves. There's a lot of different techniques on like entering and exiting positions. Those are more simple, uh, a little bit harder to execute, but the actual moves are, are very simple. If you practice them. Yeah. Interesting take on it. So it's like, it's one of those things you, you already know it, but the hearing it is different. I had never known, like, I always just like movement. Yep. All right. Keep the gun up, you know, push out of position. Always heard this stuff. But now I look at my stage or look at someone's stages and be like, I, I can find, I never used to be able to find the seconds, the, the point twos, the point threes. And now I can take and just watch someone shoot. I'm like, all right. You lost point two here, half second here, point two here, point two here, point two here, point two here. All right. So all those point twos can be fixed with one, two, three, four, five movement techniques, and you can practice them with XYZ drills. So like it's I think it's simpler than people think, but it's way harder to execute if you don't practice it the right way, if you don't basically. Yeah. You you mentioned their uh teaching classes. So are you teaching classes as well as the Infinity experience? And then can you tell us a little bit about what that is? I know you mentioned you're leaving for that tomorrow. Yeah, so totally. So as like a full-time student and also like semi-competitive shooter, uh, I do try to offer like class classes as much as possible. I think like three or four last year. Um, and I, I love teaching the classes. I mean, I have a lot of, I'd like to think I have a lot of, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience in, in uh, learning and my own development. So it's pretty cool to take, a lot of the things that I've learned that I know work and is a proven formula, I take it in my class and teach it to people. And the coolest thing is like after nationals getting five or six messages from students. I only, only taught you know, probably 30, 40 people last year and be like, Christian, I practice exactly what you said. And I got, you know, 10 positions better at nationals or I shot 30 more alphas. It took five seconds off my time from this match or this class fire or whatever. So it's pretty cool doing that. So yeah. So I teach classes as much as possible. The unfortunate thing about this year is I have a list. I, I have a you know nice neat Excel file of all the people that want to take classes, uh, like people that want to host classes. And the unfortunate part is I I, I really got to find the time this year to teach those classes and shoot because the the list is very long for the classes. But I have the world shoot I have to go to. I have I have uh, school. I have a lot of other commitments. So I'm gonna try to squeeze in as much training and classes as I possibly can because I, I truly do love it. And I, I want to keep doing it for for years to come. But so it's, it's got to find the time for that. But I love teaching the classes. A lot of people see a lot of a lot of benefit and results, which is cool. But as far as the Infinity experience, so um, Infinity Firearms is in Gordon, Texas. Um, I find a Dallas Fort Worth an hour or so out, outside of Dallas, uh, DFW Airport, and uh, they have a huge factory there, amazing facility. They have a range on, uh, you know, right next to their their manufacturing facility. And so uh, the Infinity experience is two days. There's different instructors for different ones. I'm teaching this one this weekend. Be pretty cool experience. So the first day we spend some hours, uh, like the first half of the day, out on the range doing a class. And so it's a it's a pretty cool class. Um, it's uh, I don't know, I don't know four or five hours class. Uh, a lot of cool different techniques like shooting, shooting a gun, transitions, movement. So it's a little bit of everything. Kind of encapsulates a lot of stuff. 
Um, so we do, do a, a half day class and then we hit uh, lunch. Lunch is at the factory. And then we spend the, uh, the rest of the half day with Brandon Strayer, um, one of the masterminds at Infinity. He, he, he runs a lot there, run the show, building the pistols, like so impressive, like such an impressive guy, so knowledgeable. Um, I mean, he does crazy things with his hands, builds infinity pistols. Right. And so he, uh, he teaches, you know, he takes, take the gun apart, talk all about maintenance, a little bit of how they're built, different things, uh, different about the infinity versus, uh, other guns, how they do it. Um, you get a tour of the facility, which is pretty cool. A lot of, a lot of wide eyes when you walk through that place. Um, and then on the, the next day we'll do a match on Sunday. Um, so Saturday is half me training, half Brandon, uh, instructing and training as well. Um, and then outside on Sunday, we'll shoot a match. We'll have, I don't know, five, six stages. I think one time we had 12, but a bunch of stages, like six, seven stages. We go out there, I'll walk through the stage being like, all right, here's what I remember what I told you on Saturday. All right, plug it in here. All right, here's what we're doing here on Saturday. This is what we're doing here on Saturday of the match. So it's a cool match. Um, some, some fun stages. And I walk, walk everyone through the, through the stages, show them how to visualize it, how to break down the stage and then I'll shoot it. And then they'll shoot. So sometimes I'll shoot first, sometimes I'll shoot last and kind of bring, you know, wrap it up or show them how it's done. But it's pretty cool. I mean, it truly is an experience. We went to dinner on Saturday with the whole group and it's pretty cool. So, um, lots of good people, lots of good fun, lots of good shooting, training, learning. Um, so pretty cool and experience. So I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. I'm waking up at 4am bright and early. <laughs> so it'll be, it'll be a good one. So next listener question, have you ever messed around in CO? I have not. I have a carry optic, a couple carry optics guns that I've taught some law enforcement guys with that specifically use carry optics guns that really wanted me to show up with a carry optics gun. So I've shot some carry optics guns. I shot my Glock 17 a lot with a lot of uh, local law enforcement guys in different classes. Um, kind of whatever. If, if I'm teaching someone that's shooting a Glock 17, it doesn't feel right to show up with an open gun all the time. So yeah, I played around and shot some of that stuff, but never, never seriously. I mean, why would you go from top fuel drag racer to uh the stock car drag you know there were stock car races where guys are driving their camaros in off the street you know what i mean right i got my ferrari in the garage oh wait let me <laughs> drive <my laughs> you eventually run out of money <laughs> <laughs> no, i think your is a lot of fun it's a great way to start shooting a dot i think dots are the way of the future i think iron sights we throw those out we put a dot on top we call it good not not yet but you know there's there's usage for both but i'm very pro dot. All right. Well, continuing on that, then the uh, the next person's question was asking about open ten. So, would you still shoot open if it became a ten round division, or do you think you'd want to shoot something else? Ooh. Oh man, there'd be a lot of other bad decisions I'd have to make before that, leading up to being open ten. But uh, yeah, I'm mean, gonna shoot open ten. Why not? I'm going to Can. I was supposed to go to IPC Nationals in Canada and uh she was some canadian boys but uh unfortunately obviously the borders closed and it got canceled but hey i was ready to do it in canada why not in the u.s i hope we never have to i hope not well i really hope not i think they were asking it from a political standpoint and i wanted to avoid that part so just talk about it <laughs> so what have you done to help develop your eye speed seeing faster Okay, so I don't have any uh any like lights or lasers or any computer games or anything crazy like that as much as i will take names in Call of Duty Warzone, you know, add me after the podcast. Um, <laughs> but as far as actual hand-eye coordination stuff goes, nothing like that. Um, but uh, as far as like as shooting goes, there's exploration, there's execution mode. So exploration is shooting way faster than what your sights are telling you are okay. But a good analogy for that is if you drive your car in 60, uh, for 60 miles an hour on the freeway, you're going to think 60 is like pretty darn fast. But if you can take it up to 100, you know, hopefully don't crash your car while you're doing it. Um, uh, then when you go back down to 60, 60 is pretty chill. And all of a sudden your new, your new normal speed is 60 miles an hour or 80 miles an hour. So you need to explore and kind of like, whenever you think you've maxed out your eye speed, you probably haven't. So you got to keep finding and unlocking that next, you know, speed potential. Or that's going to go try to push the pace on a build drill and be like, Whoa, I can finally do this now. I can see faster. It's never like you shoot a drill and you're like, wow, like I can, I can, I, I magically have it like, you know, see faster. It takes a lot of like training and stuff but we keep good metrics on drills like six targets in a row just hammer those or a builder or something like that you can like start to see the actual tangible results of seeing faster or seeing more too hmm. yeah process and then processing it in real in, in a faster time i mean exactly it's cool do you like drills or stages for training or do you prefer a mix of both 
Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any time for stages. Every once in a while, if there's like a state match or something like that, I'll beg some match director to leave up a stage or two that can hammer and put targets in different positions, work on some visualization stuff. But no, I, I just do a lot of drills, a lot of like, if you want to even call it a mini stage with like three positions, like uh, literally a stick for a position and a couple mm-hmm. targets. But I think you can, you can mimic a stage and make a drill a stage without much work. Like you could literally put three targets in front of you and you could shoot it like a stage. So I, I, I don't really like have any drills. Like I don't go shoot. Like I don't just go like, all right, I'm do this, do this draw, shoot two rounds, reload one. Like I don't do that like a hundred times. I'll do that sometimes like for some stand and shoot stuff. But most of the time it's more like dynamic training. Like I have three positions and an array or something like that. And I would hope by stages, the listener that sent that question in was asking from the standpoint of like many stages, like you're, your stick yeah. over here is another position or because if you're setting up full stages in practice, you're wasting a lot of time. <laughs> you're wasting a lot of time. Yeah. Hopefully no one's nailing down fault lines. That would be a crime. But <laughs> yeah, I do some mini stages and some visualization stuff like that. Uh, this is the uh, last listener question. I think this is pretty interesting. Can you give us a specific rundown of what your last live fire practice was before you left for nationals this year? Totally. I thought you were going to ask about nationals. I was like, how much time do we have here? It's going to be a lot, an hour. No, I'm kidding. But basically, no, I, I, I could probably give a synopsis of that too. But so last live fire session. So I, I don't have my planner with me. I was going to bring my planner. But in an ideal world, you would shoot every single day leading up to nationals. And I was able to do almost that in 2019 since, since nationals was earlier before school started. This year, I was already like three weeks into the quarter. So I was, I was, it was the most stressful preparation nationals i've ever had keep in mind i've only done it three times but <laughs> out of all three it's the most stressful because i was doing school i had a lot of things going on uh, i had four classes i was taking so in an ideal world i wish i had been outdoors five you know the five days leading up to nationals but what really happened was the week prior i got some outdoor practice sessions and i was like all right this is probably the last time i'll get to be you know outside shooting stuff so i shot some stages some mini stages i shot some some bigger rays some big movements stuff like that but leading up to nationals, all of it was execution training. The last two days before I left, I set up a raise and I was like, all right, do this. Like be able to shoot alphas at a high rate of speed, call every single shot and just really focus on what I was doing and executing. And so my last two sessions were at 6 a.m. in the morning at Bellevue Gun Club. Uh, super nice. Let me in early. I was able to shoot in there and I set up two different arrays. I shot the array, moved to the next position, shot the other array. Exactly what I was going to end up doing in the match. I was going to be shooting an array, moving, and then shooting another array. And I was doing shooting an array, shooting and moving in between an array, and then shooting another array. So I did basically exactly what I was going to do at the match, just in like a small, uh, broken down piece there. That finishes it up for listener questions. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything to add? You mentioned a couple different times uh, how like when you first started, you mm-hmm. like you thought you were pretty good, right? And mm-hmm. then later on, and like now, you mm-hmm. uh, you look back and you realize you weren't that good. But you also mentioned that uh, when you go out to practice, you're honest with yourself. Like mm-hmm. there's lots of there's lots of things that need work, right? Mm-hmm. So, how do you feel about your shooting now compared to how you felt about your shooting when you first started? Because I know for me, like when I first started, I thought I was really good because uh, I was you know middle of the pack <laughs> at my club match. Mm-hmm. So that now I feel I feel way worse about my shooting now than I did <laughs> when I started but I'm way better now. Right. So like what, yes. what's your take on that and how do you feel about it? Okay. So as far as that last point to hit, like the more pressure and the more expectations you have, like you're with the amount of perfection that I demand or require for myself, it, the higher level that I demand of perfection, the more I'm going to end up being disappointed. Right. I mean, if I show up to a club match, like if you show up to a club match, you're like, Oh, I see what I do, you know? And I place 40th. Oh, I placed 40th, but I, and I do the same thing the next time. Like, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I play 60th. I play 60th. You know, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't really matter. But when you go to that match, you're like, I want to win this thing, and I don't want to shoot a miss. I want to shoot as fast as possible. Uh, you know, I don't want to have a miss. I want to shoot this clean, right? And you don't do that. It's like, oh, well, I suck, right? So it ruins it easy. So I definitely don't have the same level of like the whoa, I did so well. Like it's never like that. Every match I leave, I'm like, all right, there were some highs, there were some lows, yeah. but the lows are really what's gonna <laughs> keep me up, right? So, I mean, I guess like when I won my first area match, I guess it's a little different, but like my place third place production at an area match, my first area match area one, I was like, this is awesome. This is a big surprise. Right. So it's more now like it's pretty easy to look at a stage 
And he walked back and I was like, that was perfect. That was awesome. I'm like, okay, don't even get me started. You're opening up with a can of worms. You're going to be talking here with me for an hour about how badly I did not like that stage at all and how poorly I shot it. So it's like the level of, of what you expect. And I, I think you should expect a lot, but with that, you're going to get some, some, uh, dissatisfactory or uh, unsatisfactory results uh, with that a little bit. But as far as like looking back at 20, uh, when I was in 2019, I thought or when I was in 2018, I thought I was, I was doing really well. And then I, and then in 2019, I'm like, okay, you're an idiot in 2019. And then there's so much you could have learned. And then in 2020, I look back at 2019 and it's like, oh my gosh, you had so much to learn. So I feel like even if I'm winning the national championship, I think it's a big lesson to take and be like, wow, even though I won the match, I look back and there's so much stuff I still don't know. Like right now it'd be pretty easy to be like, oh wow, I think I, I figured it out. I got my movement down. I got my shooting down. But there are so many things I'm going to learn in the next year that I have no idea that like, you don't know what you don't know. And there's a lot of things that I didn't know that I didn't know. Uh, and I'm going to learn more in the future. But um, I think as far as like the motivation uh, is kind of tying your question is like when you go to the range and like you got to you got to put things into perspective for a second. Like if, if, if you go to the range, and you're just like, oh, wow, like I'm the bomb like this. This is going to I'm going to crush your stuff, whatever. I think a great idea is you keep a little folder on your iPhone of your dumpster fires, your absolute dumpster fires. You all know, you all know what I'm talking about. You all have those 30 videos from the match. And there's that one, when you click on it, you swipe right over it. You know, it's going to hurt, right? Yeah. I know exactly <laughs> what stage is at nationals. I know exactly what stage it was at 2018 when I skipped the target 2019, when I shot strong hand on the target 2020, when my whole glasses fogged up and I shot a miss on the target and shot super slow. Like there's that video. And if you shy away from that video, you're gonna be like, Oh, I'm, I'm the guy. But if you watch that video before your range session, that's be the most focused, most motivated range session you'll have. I like that. It's good. Yeah. Huh. Good, man. Dude, I love how, like, uh, I don't know, just how, like, determined you are and, like, how much work you put into practice. Dude, what I hate about people in this sport mm-hmm. is how everyone talks about how they don't practice. <laughs> and, <laughs> they don't pra- and then they come up. And they do like really good at a match. I freaking hate it when people talk about how they don't practice. So like, I know that you have setbacks and you like have to go to school and you have a lot of things that keep you from practicing, Mm -hmm. but I love how much thought and uh, how much determination you do put in to getting better. Since we were talking about the most important stuff here, I did just notice that I missed over one of the listener questions. What recoil spring was responsible for you winning 2020 nationals? Yeah. Well, it's actually that exact recoil spring that was the the entire reason why I won nationals. Let's not right. forget that. That was <laughs> if I had a different pound recoil spring, I would not have won. And I'm not hating on whoever asked this question. It's a fair question. But um, if you're wondering what color base pads I was using, I was using blue base pads and a red base pad and then a black magazine. That's also why. Um, <laughs> but as far as the spring, it's a, it's a seven pound infinity spring. Um, it said, it, I think it measured pretty heavy. It was like kind of heavier. I think it was like 7.5 or 7.8, something like that. So I guess seven or eight's good. I think I'd always le- lean towards the most consistent spring. It's pretty cool to have a one pound trigger, but it's also pretty cool to have a one and a half pound trigger that works every single time. And the guns, you know, bang every time. So I don't know. Whatever yeah. Finney put in it at the beginning, it works. <laughs> I keep putting in the same thing. They, they give me a plastic bag, they write a number on it, they put it back in. And I put it back in and it works every time. <laughs> so I've got the real questions right now. This is where it's all, everything else is doesn't matter. 38 Super versus 9. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I'm <laughs> right to answer this one. I think BJ Norris has a good answer for this. Because BJ <laughs> Norris is a diehard 38 Super Comp fan. He's in the industry of reloading, so he knows probably better, but I think 38 Super Comp's the way to go. It's yeah, clean, yeah. reliable. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's soft. I like it. If you want to shoot yeah. nine, hey, go for it, man. That, that, that's all you, but uh, I like 38 Super Comp. I, I think what he meant was if you're too poor to afford 38 Super Comp brass, then you should probably just shoot CO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. That's probably right. So, Okay, so we were talking earlier before we started recording, and Christian was uh, telling us how he had discount codes uh, for half-off uh, Infinity Guns. <laughs> so go ahead and message him on his Facebook or Instagram for that code. <laughs> yeah, that, I'll give, make sure to give you that code and then the uh, the 98% off. I have that one too, but yeah. you have to send me, uh, you have to send me uh, I don't know what you have to send me. But you have to send me something, I'll get you that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, told, I told Boomer earlier this week in the group chat, 
that he was like, I think I'm going to buy an open guy. I was like, yeah, dude, Christian will hook you up with a $25 off discount if you order two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's got that pool. Oh, for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll make a call. We're done. We're, we're, yeah. we're good. I got you. No worries. Cool. All right. I got one final question. If, if y'all don't have anything else. I, I got Yeah, good. I'm good. Is there such thing as natural talent? <laughs> oh, there's got to be some good quote for this one. But I will say, I, I think there is a certain level of natural athleticism. But I think you know, there could be some stud of natural athletic guy that comes into the sport. There's no way he's going to do well. I mean, is this, there's yes, I have a, probably a certain knack for shooting. Like, I definitely feel like th- this this is fits well with what I what I like to do. But no, I mean, I've put in countless hours at the range. I've sacrificed a ton of time, a ton of energy, everything to be able to do it. So, um, yeah, there's none. So, no, yeah. there's no such thing as natural talent? There's there's a certain element, but I think when I was in 13U baseball, that's when my coaches started preaching, this is when natural talent runs out. This is where it separates. I think two years in, into shooting, that's when natural talent does not help you anymore. <laughs> that's fair. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff? Huh? Suck it. <laughs> So, so Chris, I don't know if you've listened to any of our earlier podcasts. Uh, that's kind of our discussion is I don't think natural talent exists. Jeff is sure that you're just either naturally good or you're not. And I don't remember what Boomer feels. No, I'm the one that brought it up. It was my question every time we – I quit asking the question when we would have somebody on, but um, I'm a firm believer that there's not nat- natural Y'all talent. Y'all aren't supposed to talk about it every time we have someone on. You're supposed to let them answer. I know, but you – know. <laughs> You're right. I like it. It's good. That's Jeff, good. you have anything else? No, that is it. That was great, right. man. Thanks for coming on. Well, Thank you yeah, much. thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Since you did mention that you're looking to get into more of the teaching stuff, how can someone contact you if they're interested? Yeah, go ahead and shoot me an email. Um, there, it's on my website. There's a little form submit. Um, so my, my website, christiansilertraining.com. Um, and then also my Instagram, it's just Christian Siler Official. So Instagram is probably the easiest, um, but also my website too. So um, hit my website hit my uh, Instagram. You can shoot me an email on, on both of those links for it and Facebook too, if you're still there, but you're not on parlor yet. Oh, I don't know that. That'll be very <laughs> interesting. I, I created an account, but I don't think that who knows what will happen there on. Yeah. Who knows? Right. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. We appreciate you joining us. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. All right. Well, that's it folks. Let's pinch it off right here. All right. Thanks guys. Oh, stop recording. Damn it. <laughs>